Welcome to the Guildhall School Events Podcast. I'm joined today by our Head of Keyboard, Ronan O'Hora, as well as Laura Roberts, who's Professor of Piano here and a former Guildhall School student herself. Alongside other faculty staff, they'll be performing at the James Gibb Memorial Concert here on Friday the 21st of February. So a very warm welcome to you both, and it's great to have you here, and uh, thanks for giving us your time today. Um, Ronan, we'll start with you. Um, could you tell us a bit about um, Jimmy? Um, who was he as a performer, and what did he mean to the school? Well, well Jimmy Gibb was um, an institute, part of the, the, the fabric, really, Guildhall as an institution. He was, a, he was an institution in himself, really. He was here as originally piano professor and then of, as head of keyboard studies uh, for many, many decades. Um, right until the time when I first arrived, Jimmy was already then well in his 80s. He'd, he'd uh, stepped down as head of department a few years before, but was still very active as a teacher, as he was for several years after I came. And even when he stepped down from uh, Guildhall, he still retained an active teaching interest at the Purcell School. He was uh, an enormously uh, distinguished British pianist who had a, a major career in post-war uh, British concert life, uh, playing a considerable amount of, of, of front-rank important concerts here in this country, many internationally. He had a very successful recording career. He was very intimately associated with many of the leading British composers. Um, and he was really one of the, the mainstays of uh, British pianistic life. Um, it strikes me that, I mean, he was, he was still teaching well into his 80s. Indeed. And, um, I mean, m most people hang up their... Uh, you know, yes, yeah, <laughs> professional yeah, yeah. whatever. By the by, the, you know, they get to sixty-five or whenever. So yeah. he must have had an incredible amount of energy uh, for for somebody somebody like he that. He did. I mean, I think it's fair to say about Jimmy, he embodied the maxim that you know we'd all like to inhabit, where he died young as late as possible. You know, he was ninety-five when he died, but an enormously youthful. I don't doubt if anyone can think of a a ninety-five-year-old who was more youthful. We celebrated his ninetieth birthday here with a concert. And in which Jimmy played, as well as uh, enjoyed uh, sort of uh, hearing the rest of the concert, and he was there partying vigorously for the rest of the evening afterwards. And and indeed, he was teaching up to a few weeks before he died uh, privately. So it, um, I think music was for him, as it is for many people, just a source of life and a source of of energy and a source of joy. And in in some ways, I mean this. Uh this sort of tribute, this memorial concert for him, and it's a it's a shame that he didn't get to to see Milton Court. Yes, in in, in that, that's that's true in a way. In fact, I was I was uh, due to see Jimmy a few weeks before he died, and was hoping to show him uh, Milton Court. Sadly, the building wasn't was slightly delayed and wasn't yet ready to be to be sort of uh, displayed, as it were. So he saw the outside of it and was hugely impressed. And it's a nice, uh, it's it's a nice tribute to Jimmy and a very fitting one as someone who lived through many eras of the school because he because he he would have started teaching in the school long before it came to its present home in the in the Barbican and so to go on to the the next phase of Guildhall's development celebrating Jimmy's name uh, I think he'd have been he'd have been very tickled at that. Um, so Laura, I mean you were you were here as a Guildhall school student. Um, 
I, I don't know when, uh, <laughs> but, but have you got any sort of striking memories of, of Jimmy as a, as a teacher or as a sort of head of, head of keyboard here? Yes, definitely. I mean, um, of course he was a, an incredibly knowledgeable musician and a, and a wonderful teacher. And something that really stays with me, though, is just how gregarious he was and how he, he was always inviting the students around to his, his flat and throwing these wonderful parties. He was a fantastic cook. And um, he had a very bohemian flat, didn't he, mm-hmm. in, in Camden with wonderful Moroccan pottery in the in the kitchen. He was a great fan of Elizabeth David and Jane Grigson, and, and, and he would grow all these herbs on his rooftop terrace. And we would, we would stay there till late in the night in the summer you know, having these wonderful meals, which I think was lovely for all the students who were coming from abroad and all that. Um, and you could see that his whole life was about music, because when you walked into the main part of the flat, his, his pianos and his dummy keyboard and all his books about music just took the whole flat up, basically. But I think he was also somebody who really got the bigger picture. He, you know, having lived through the war and the 30s and everything, he was, he was very socially aware and very committed to social equality. He was very, very proud of the fact that he'd, he'd taken part in the Cable Street um, battle uh, when Oswald Mosley and the, the Black Shirts walked into the East End to, you know, against the Jewish community there. And, That's and, right. and Jimmy was one of the people who went and protested against that. And that was in the, that was in the 30s, wasn't yes, it? Yes, that's right. I think he was, he was very committed to that. Mm. Um, I mean, just, just uh, reading a little bit in his uh, obituary in The Guardian, uh, it said he's part of a generation whose career was stalled active service in World War II. Um, I mean, do, do you know what he sort of got up to during during the war? Did he ever sort of talk about it or anything? Yeah, indeed. And I think Jimmy would be the first to say it was both stalled and to some extent enhanced by World War II. The reason I say that is that obviously he had the interruption. He was on active service and, and with the inevitable interruption that that uh, entailed. He was also, and now I use his words here, and words he, put, he was fortunate enough to be stationed in Berlin at the end of the war when the Allied forces were um, taking control of Berlin. And of course, our cultural life was moribund, of course, at that time. And the Allies had to, um, had to sort of, of revivify uh, concert life in Berlin because they saw it as essential to, to beginning the the rebuilding and the civilizing and the you know the whole the whole sort of of, of rebirth uh, of of the city, and Jimmy was very involved in that to the extent uh, he actually uh, very early at that time played with the Berlin Philharmonic, for instance. He and he played I think it was the second Rosthorn concerto. He told me because uh, obviously there was a time where German music was not played, so it was it was a very extraordinary, very peculiar, very particular time, and Jimmy was very much at the centre of that. He he was one of those people, as Laura was just indicating, with with you know the events in the thirties. Jimmy lived one of those lives you could you know make a television series about or write a write a novel about. It it was very picaresque. It had all these extraordinary, highly memorable um, and. Uh, sort of details in many, many different spheres, not, not just music by any means, but obviously in music he, uh, he embodied a whole sort of several generations of development in British musical life. And, you know, the example of what happened after the war was kind of rather typical of Jimmy somehow, always, what happened to Jimmy was always kind of twice as interesting as what happened to other people. Mm. Actually, it's funny you say that about his life being like a book, because I remember when I was a student, um, there was a serialisation of Olivia Manning's Fortunes of War, 
on the television and we were all wildly impressed that, that, that um, Jimmy knew Olivia Manning and uh, Guy Pringle, her husband, and all, practically all the figures in this, in this series. Yeah, he, <laughs> so he really, you know, was at the, uh, some sort of a cultural centre. That, that he did, well. and, and Jimmy continued. He had an extraordinary network of um, friends. He'd have, he'd have hated the word network because he hated, he hated any idea of and networking or schmoozing or any as he would have called it but but the fact was he did have an extraordinary array of friends and contacts uh, right across the cultural and, and public life in, in Britain and that's evidenced by the fact that even some of the uh, replies we've had for invitations going out to attend this concert have come from from very distinguished individuals uh, being very clear to make uh, uh, pains to make clear that that how much they valued being invited to take part in something commemorating Jimmy. Because so his, his impact has been sort of felt not just through the past sort of, you know, uh, 80 years, but also on a more geographical level, sort of all across the world. No, well, music is a, you know, music's a very, uh, the, the musical world is very small and uh, inevitably uh, music's global by its nature. So, so anyone who's involved in it to the degree Jimmy was, uh, will have will have a large number of international contacts, um, and again his funeral, uh, which we both attended, was was kind of rather typical of that. It brought together an extraordinary array of people, and uh, Gold's Green Crematorium. It was it was quite a snapshot of you know British British musical and cultural life. Mm. It's it's incredible when somebody touches so many lives in in a way like that for for so long. So um, mm. anyway, let's let's move on to talking a bit more about the concert mm. itself. Um, both, both of you will be performing in the concert along with um, quite a lot of our other faculty. Mm. Um, can you tell us a bit about the choice of repertoire and whether that was uh, to do with Jimmy's tastes or anything like that? Well, it was a balance of a lot of things. The, 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 the concert is beginning and ending with Schubert duets, uh, which is, is very much a kind of homage to Jimmy. These works were absolutely central to him. Schubert, Schubert as a composer was perhaps the most central composer for Jimmy in his, in his sort of affections and estimation. Uh, Laura, uh, at the beginning of the concert with Caroline Palmer, will be playing the, the wonderful variations in A-flat. And then I, at the, the close of the concert, there's a sort of, there's a, there's a built-in encore, but, but at the close of the, the main part of the concert, is that we will be playing the F minor fantasy for piano duet with Ashley Fripp. And the reason uh, Ashley's going to play is that he is a student, a current student at Guildhall, winner of the gold medal, a very, very successful, very talented uh, pianist, who also had a connection with Jimmy. He knew Jimmy from the Purcell School. He played to him, he had lessons with him, he played in master classes here with Jimmy and had a great devotion to him. And again, I think it's a, it's a nice way of symbolising um, the, the continuity which Jimmy would have valued so much. Uh, it would. The last thing Jimmy would want is to see his death as being the end of an era. Jimmy had a, a kind of selflessness and humility that saw himself as part of a great musical and human continuum. And I think having younger performers in the concert exemplifies that. Fact. Fantastic. I mean, what it's, is the is the concert mainly going to be sort of solos or, or duets? It's, it's or? A mix, as I say, we, we, it's topped and topped and tailed by the two Schubert forehand pieces. It there is a a solo performance of Liszt by. 
our current student, Anna Gogava, who's the current holder of the James Gibb Piano Scholarship. Uh, there is a performance of Beethoven's Spring Sonata by Christoph Schmitana, uh, uh, who's a very close friend of Jimmy's, the violins, with Caroline Palmer. There's also some Albanith, uh, some pieces from Iberia being played by Peter Bithel, a piano professor, again, another very close friend and colleague of Jimmy's, and a group of songs uh, by Adrian Thompson, another uh, close friend uh, of Jimmy's, accompanied by Lada Balasova, who um, Adrian's wife actually studied with, with Jimmy. So there are, there are, there are a lot of, of, of different types. And the, the sort of built-in encores I mentioned, which I think it's not giving too much away about the concert to say, that, that Adrian is going to sing, uh, for want of a better word, a serious group. Songs, uh, including some uh, songs by English composers that Jimmy had a personal association with, but at the end of the concert is also going to sing. Jimmy had Jimmy. Anyone who knows Jimmy will know one of the most distinctive features about Jimmy was this extraordinary sense of humour. And I think the first, the first sound that the image and sound that comes into people's mind when they think of Jimmy is Jimmy roaring with laughter or something. And Jimmy gave Adrian and his wife a book of comic songs that he loved to hear Adrian sing, so Adrian is going to, to finish the evening very appropriately with laughter with these. Um, I, I suppose Jimmy's teaching and his, his methods must have sort of, uh, you, you know, you're a student of his, Laura, mm. has that sort of informed how, how you now teach here at the Guildhall School? Um, yes, of, of, of course. I mean, he was a very, um, he was a very knowledgeable and, and resourceful musician and, and very warm, and he, he, he was he was very you know he was very inspiring to work with. I'm sure he was different with all his students. You know, he, he responded to what you needed, and that's very important in teaching, isn't it? Really? Mm, indeed. Um, is there anything sort of specific um, way that you remember him working with you as a, as as a student back in the day? Well, um, I think I just remember that that whatever you were working on. You, you, he just was very intensely passionate about it. You would just, you would just feel that he was very involved with what you were doing and incredibly supportive, and that you were kind of going on a journey together with this this work. <laughs> I mean, the things because I, 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 unlike Laura, I, I didn't study with Jimmy, but but um, talking to him a lot about teaching over the years, I knew him, and the things that that always emanated very strongly, uh, and Laura will tell me, she's much better placed to know whether I'm really right, one of which is that, you know, he, he valued very much the kind of, you know, if you like, the dignity of the individuals he taught. You know, students were those, you know, students were human beings, Jimmy, they weren't, they weren't just people to be told things who had less experience than he did, as it were, you know, he, he took great pleasure in the, the human interaction with students, and he respected them enormously. And I think it's fair to say that in his teaching, he also took very seriously the passing on of respect for music and what music was and the, the, the role of music and uh, the, the, the transforming power of music. Uh, the thing that Jimmy tended to be most critical of was anyone he felt, or any situation he felt, where music was being used for people's ends rather than for being celebrated. As a, as a sort of great creative force in itself. And that's the only times I ever heard him speak sort of scathingly of something. It was when he felt the people's motivation for doing something was wrong. You know, he had great, enormous patience. Uh, he had a great belief in 
building things and being patient and taking the time to build properly, but always insisting that the highest musical standards were, were kept in sight all the time. Presumably he wouldn't be a massive fan of some of the current uh, mainstream <laughs> well, music. I mean, it's, it's difficult. J Jimmy, uh, you know, of course, came from an era which um, uh, we, we would do well not to lose touch with, which is that which took more time over everything, where things were less sensationalised, and where things were kept in context. And none of those things are are the first thing that strike one about the you know the, the, the current world we live in. But but nonetheless, it has enormous. J Jimmy was also a great great believer and celebrator of good things as time went on. He wasn't somebody who believed everything was better in the past. Mm. He took great pleasure in young people. He took great pleasure in new developments. He would have taken great pleasure in seeing Milton Court. I'm quite mm. sure he'd have whooped with delight on seeing this, this fabulous concert hall that the, the concert will take place in. So, you know, he was a good reminder that, that what you always want to keep is the best of the old and the best of the new. And uh, just to just to round off, um, his legacy is doesn't you know it extends to more than his teaching and his friends and his students, um, because we have a um, there's a fund now in, in Jimmy's name. Indeed. Um, so can you, can you tell us a little bit more, more about that? Yes, indeed. Uh, Jimmy was uh, enormously generous in the quest he made to the school, and he was particularly uh, you know so, so much of his life had been dedicated to helping young pianists that he wanted. Uh, even at the end, to do what he could to help them, knowing you know Jimmy was well aware how how tough it is for young musicians these days. It always has been tough, but it's even tougher now, you know, financially and and coping with the, these realities of life and fees and everything else. So uh, one of the, uh, I, I mean, the main reason for doing the concert is simply to celebrate Jimmy's life and work and and impact it's had. It's also uh, a thank you for his generosity which continued absolutely to the end and a chance to, that's why it's it's very good that Anna Gogava for instance, the current student who is uh, a beneficiary of that generosity is taking the platform um, because generosity was, was typical of Jimmy as a person and in uh, funds he's left to help to uh, endow uh, piano scholarships. Uh, it's a great, it's a great kind of testament and memorial to him. And we're any money uh, that we raise through ticket sales uh, for the concert will be used to help fund keyboard scholarships. Fantastic. Well, many thanks to you both for your time today. Uh, we wish you all the best for the concert. Uh, we'll all be there, and you can see Laura and Ronan and a lot of our other faculty and students. Um, on Friday the 21st of February at 7.30 in the concert hall at Milson Court. Tickets are available from the Barbican box office online, over the phone or in person.